Hello and welcome to Movie Hell. My name is Ryan and I'm joined as always by my co-host Joe the Great and Terrible. And this time we're going to be discussing the 2006 film Return of Superman or Superman Returns. What is that movie called? I think it's Superman Returns. At least that's what I wrote down. So, you uh, you have some questions for me? I do. Uh, I had seen this movie originally. I remember when it came out. Okay, one of the first things I have to talk about is going to be... There is a very heavy, and you can tell from the very opening, the credits, the music. It is the John Williams score. It is the same credits as you had in the first original Christopher Reeve Superman movies. It made me very nostalgic. I really liked seeing that. Like That brought me back to my childhood from the 1978 movie you're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. Any of, the, any of them. I think they all had yeah. that same yeah. opening, all of that. Um, and I, I was asking myself, is this movie going to be nothing but that? I think they're doing that a lot nowadays when they're repurposing all these old properties. Mm. Is it just nostalgia or are we actually going to get some interesting and unique story ideas? I thought the actor who they had play Superman, Brandon, Brandon Routh. R- R- Routh? Routh. 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 Who I have not seen in a lot before or since then. He's um, in, uh, he plays the Adam on Legends of Tomorrow on CW. Okay. He started nice. off on Arrow. Yeah. Nice. And when I saw him, I was like, oh my God, it's Superman. Why is Superman on Arrow? <laughs> oh, great. He's he's relegated to a CW actor. I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> he, uh, I think he was also in a Hallmark movie. Probably. So that's also, that is genuinely upsetting to me. It's a paycheck. Like, yeah, but. Oh, man, he's so much more talented than that. Yeah, there's plenty of actors who've done that. That's true. I've seen a lot of them. (laughs) It's like it's porn. Like, I can't even. (laughs) Kevin Spacey is in this movie who, can you, I don't even, can we even talk about him anymore? There's like a a black cloud over some of these Hollywood I don't know what he did or didn't do or was accused of doing or was accused of being. I don't know why he was canceled. Um, I... I know with all the stuff that came on, uh, the Harvey Weinstein thing, it's there's so much elitism with that that it's, people just think they can get away with whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And I think he was one of those people, although which is too bad because I really liked him in most of the roles that I've seen him in. I have enjoyed I enjoyed him as an actor. And I think the people in this movie really tried to at least Superman uh, and uh, Lex Luthor in this movie. They played it very similar to Christopher Reeve and Gene Hackman. It's interesting that you say that because one of the things that I was noticing were these references to the old movie. I mean, not just the, you know, the aesthetic callbacks, but uh, when they're in that museum mm-hmm. looking for presumably kryptonite, which is what they end up finding, you know, you see Lex Luthor looking through books about minerals and meteorites mm-hmm. and things like that. The case, the display case, is labeled with a date in 1978. Uh Oh, clever. And there is a reference to an article that Lois wrote called I Spent the Night with Superman. And there's a point in the movie where she references Superman's height, weight, you know, certain characteristics like that. And they are pretty much word for word what occurred in the interview between Lois and Superman in the original movie. So... I think, see, what I don't understand is if this is really supposed to be a successor to those or just in the same vein. I'm not sure if they're supposed to be the same characters because they have 
they're referring to stuff that happened in those old movies. So I'm not sure if that Superman is supposed to be the Christopher Reeve Superman. And if Kevin Spacey is supposed to be the Gene Hackman Lex Luthor. I kind of think that's what it is. It really feels like that. You've got the... You don't have his one particular goofy henchman who was in those movies. Mm -hmm. But the henchman he does have, aside from Cal Penn, who's like the smart one... Uh, who I like seeing in anything that I could see him in. I've always enjoyed him as an actor. Cal Penn. Uh, Harold and Kumar. Okay. White Castle. Okay. That's who I thought you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he's got the uh, girl. Mm, Kitty. It, <sighs> Posey Parker, I think. Yes. Who I really thought it was uh, Elizabeth Banks. I had to look it up. I'm like, this isn't Elizabeth <laughs> Banks. It looks a lot like her. So okay. I actually had to look her up. And say, that's that's. I don't think that's who it is. But in the beginning of the movie, she seems like a very hardcore, smart, knows what she's doing kind of, you know, subordinate to Lex Luthor. As the movie progresses, she just gets dumber and dumber <laughs> and worse. Well, and- she she also gets sympathetic to what's going mm-hmm. on. She she it. There's a point where Lex Luthor reveals that his plan is going to kill so many people. The thing he's doing is going to cause America and some of the surrounding land to sink. Mm-hmm. And when she dis- when she discovers that, she kind of has this like, oh, my God, look on her face. And she even asks him when they're on the landmass he's creating through the Kryptonian technology he's stolen. Will billions of people really die? And they have this great shot of Kevin Spacey's face, just a portion of his face as he's lighting that cigar and puffing it. And he just kind of blinks. And he goes, yes, like very calmly, very matter of factly. Yeah, when I first watched this movie back when it came out, um, I really, really liked Kevin Spacey's Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it immensely. He's he plays a bad guy the way I want yeah. to see a bad guy play. Oh yeah, ever since um, Usual Suspects, I was gonna say Swimming with Sharks. Didn't I've never even heard of that. Really? Yeah, great. Well, I don't know if it's a great movie, but he's a great bad guy in it, and he gets the shit kicked out of him by somebody that he's awful too that's that's the whole movie that is a revenge porn movie okay for sure yeah <laughs> i love kevin spacey as a villain he's great he's a good villain he's a really good villain he has the he has the right tone for it he has the right kind of physicality for it he's you know his his mannerisms particularly in the scene where they're on the yacht and lois is there with him with jason her son as we talked about nostalgia in this movie uh, there's different things that happened that I thought were clever. Uh, there was a part during a runaway car scene when Superman stops that car and it shows the pose from him that was on the front of the very first appearance of Superman, Action yep. Comics number one. And I was like, is that? That is what I think it is. And I looked it up, yeah. That that was clever that they did that. But other things that happened... Just for nostalgia's sake, like the first time that he has to go and stop whatever's going on, the first action scene with Superman, and people are on the street. He runs out of you know the Daily Planet to go do his thing, and he has to Yankish. make sure nobody sees him. <laughs> yeah, and run down the thing, and he opens his shirt with the Superman, and I'm like, everybody's looking at monitors right now. Yeah, you could just poof up into the air and be gone, not worry about anything, and they yeah. they still did it that way. And I'm like, that's. Mm, I was Kinda thinking. Lame. I was thinking that was one of the ways that Smallville did it better. Was in that when he wanted to get away, he would just move so fast you wouldn't see him. Yeah, it's Superman. He can kind of do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Also, one of the things that bugged my parents way, way back when this movie came out was the the changing of talked about oh Superman. So to find out, does he still stand for you know truth, justice, all that stuff? Yeah. Pretty sure the words you were looking for, sir, was the American way. Yep. But they just kind of decided that wasn't. They didn't want to have that front and center. You know what? It's America. Screw you guys. We love America. <laughs> I'm here doing a podcast in America. You can bite me. And I also noticed Brandon Routh was wearing very 70s suits. He's wearing basically the same clothes that were from the first movies, like the original set of these. Yeah, they got an actor who looked strikingly similar. Really? Yeah. I, I actually rewatched Christopher some Reeve. He looked super, super similar. And they, they did the thing. The curl mm-hmm. that Christopher Reeve has is the little Superman hair thing. Yeah. They did that. Well, I mean, that's always the... the that's not, always his thing. That's, it is, but it's not in the new movies. That's true. Yeah. It, one of the things... I mean, people talk about it just being glasses. The other thing was he combed his hair differently. Clark Kent has his hair parted. If it's your own perspective on the right side of his head, Superman parts it on the left, and then it has that curl. And they actually do that in these movies. They don't do anything with his hair. Like, they put no effort anymore in Man of Steel or Bats v. Soups or Justice League or whatever to differentiate Clark Kent from Superman. I mean, I don't. they don't need to. It's kind of like there was a scene in this as uh, he he's remembering some things that happen <coughs> when he's a kid. And when it comes to these movies, the iconic superheroes, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, we already know all that. We know Uncle Ben died. We know Batman's parents died. We we know that Superman was a kid and grew up and had to learn to use his powers. Mm-hmm. That whole scene, you can just cut it. This movie is like two and a half hours long. Yeah, it's pretty long. Yeah, he's just back on Earth. He's home. I think it's just supposed to be like a good vibe sort of, you know, thing where he's remembering his childhood. He's back on Earth after so many years. That was another thing I noticed, too. Just a small gripe. When, okay, in the original movies, he sees the recording of Jor-El, his father, saying, I have been dead many thousands of years by the time you got to Earth. But he made the round trip with Kryptonian technology, presumably no more advanced than what he arrived with. He made the round trip in five years. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little weird. Okay. And- also, for assuming like time dilation, what did he experience? I'm assuming not much. I'm assuming for him it was like, you know, a trip from St. Louis to Chicago. Right? So we know that Superman is Superman because of our sun. Mm-hmm. If he leaves our sun's solar system mm-hmm. and goes to Krypton, he's no longer Superman. How, in, do, how do they explain that? I'm sure the, there is in yeah, some lore. In the comics and the cartoons, typically Superman retains his powers either until he's exposed to a red sun or just they kind of eventually run out. Like, he's basically like a battery. Like, he holds that power. That's why his powers don't go away when it's nighttime. Oh, okay. That's all I can assume is it was a time dilation thing. So he, you know, like for him, he only experienced a short period of time because he comes back and he's surprised that Lois has moved on. I mean, I get being surprised about the kid, right? That's different than being surprised that she's with somebody because you left for five years. Speaking of the um, the whole outside the solar system thing, I'm guessing that's why he was passed out. The other thing in the beginning that bothered me was like, why is he unconscious when he arrived? 
There's no landing gear on that ship. A crash landing seems to be the way it goes. So why was he passed out? Like, why why did Martha find him on the ground? And the only thing I can think is, like, something must have screwed him up out in space. Like, he ran out of power or something like that. So he was a normal dude going through that. And then he wakes up and goes out to see the sunrise and kind of get a recharge. And then he starts acting super. I just... In the beginning of it, I'm, you know, trying to watch it, pay attention to the things that are going on, to really analyze it. And so the idea of him leaving for five years to go do something, because in the beginning you're not sure exactly why he did it, Mm -hmm. um, is interesting. Superman, gone for five years. That's kind of a big deal as far as the Earth is concerned. (laughs) But it's... It's utterly pointless. You could take that entire part of the story. You could just cut all of that out of this movie. It's the same movie. I was thinking that too. I was trying to figure out why they even had that be a thing. Because the the two times it's brought up really. Like he comes back and Martha asks him, you know, kind of, a, she sort of asks him about it. He's like, there's nothing there. It's a graveyard on the last one. And... When he tells Lois about it, like, oh, I had to go see for sure if it was still there. She doesn't even ask him anything. Like, did you find anything? Like, you went to another planet in another galaxy? Tell me about that. Like, I'm a reporter. The world would want to know this sort of thing. No, no. She's like, how could you leave me? Yeah, she's just pissed at him. She's just mad. And (sighs) that was one of the most real things that happened in the movie. Okay, that's true. Her acting like that. That's a grudge. But he looked hurt, too. During part of that conversation. So let's just say from here on out, there's going to be more spoilers. Right? Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen this so movie, So if you haven't I'm seen sorry. it, you've had 14 years or <laughs> however long. Absolutely too bad. I would recommend going ahead and watching it. I think it's worth a watch in 2020. Don't it you? is. I think Kevin Spacey's performance by itself. Really fun. Enjoyed that quite a bit. It's an acceptable level superhero movie nothing outstanding nothing amazing but it's decent mm, i might ish. disagree with you but decent, all right decent-ish. so we're moving into spoiler territory now right so so superman left five years ago as of this movie taking place lois has had a long engagement with richard and has a son jason who appears to be about four and there's some ambiguity as to whose kid it really is. There's even a scene, very clever. I thought that was a good way to bring it up, where Lex Luthor takes out that piece of kryptonite, and you see the kid kind of look a little bit... Actually, the kid just looked like kind of... A sickly little kid? A sickly little kid the whole time. But he looks at him, and then he looks at the kryptonite, and he goes, Who's, whose son is that? Or who's that boy's father? That's what he says. Uh-huh. And so that's when you really start to wonder. But that means... I mean... If you started dating a girl who was already pregnant, you would have noticed. Within like three months, you would notice. Which means it had to be like... Superman had to have... And he didn't say goodbye, so she didn't know he was gone. So he got with her and left. And then she got with somebody else real fast. So it was like a week. Man, she hopped on Cyclops super fast. Yeah, it was like a week between him leaving and her being like... Smack my ass like the drum! (laughs) <laughs> I I thought that too that that was and they've I think they've done that in other movies where that's been the case that you know get pregnant by somebody but they had to get with somebody else really quickly otherwise they would know 
that right. it was not theirs or something like that, or or people question the parentage. But and, and in case people are wondering why uh, the actor who plays uh, her husband in this movie, James Marsden, it would played Cyclops in the X Men movies. So he also was in Westworld. He has a long history of not really getting the girl, despite being a great actor. Yeah, he's pretty good. I I like him a lot, and he looks like a superhero. You know, he was a good choice for Cyclops. It's just Cyclops was not. I don't think they gave Cyclops a fair shake. No, he's actually, in the comics, he's a really good character. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of complexity between the him, Jean Grey, Logan. There's a lot of complexity in that little triangle. Yeah. And they tried to bring some of that to those movies, but ultimately it didn't work the way I think we could have hoped for. But anyways, this isn't about those movies. One of the first questions is... Lex Luthor, one of the reasons he's such a good bad guy in the comics, in the movies, is because he's smart. Mm-hmm. He's not powerful. He's, not, he's just smart and ambitious and ruthless. And part of him being smart, he finds out where the Fortress of Solitude is somehow. Yeah. He's obviously done his research, and I don't, I don't know how you research that. But he finds that out, and they go there. One of the first questions that pops into my head is... Why is this, why are these crystals that this movie kind of revolves around, these crystals that contain all of the knowledge of all of the 28 28 known galaxies, how is it they are reacting to him? Like he walks up and puts his hands over this unit thing, this device, and it reacts to him. And my thought was, this is the most advanced technology that's ever been seen on our planet. It's not... It's not fingerprint code. I was about no, to say, no my DNA MacBook right code. here has a fingerprint reader on it. Like, right. <laughs> you, you, it doesn't take... Like a crypt, I feel like a Kryptonian would have to put his hand over it for there to be some sort of recognition. I know, suspension of disbelief. It has to be something when you watch movies like this. It took me out of it. I didn't, yeah. I didn't like that that's how it happened. I understood that he would, as Lex Luthor, if he could do that, that he would sit and take in as much of that information as he possibly could. Yeah. That that's an important thing. It just didn't, I didn't dig it. There's a lot that you have to overlook with Kryptonian technology. Like the way it works. Why did he have to stick it in a rocket? Why did he stick it in a rocket and blast that thing off like 40 feet in front of the ship? That didn't make any sense. Why did you need a rocket launcher for that? But it's just one of those things. Lex Luthor is the one who went there. He absorbed all that information. He knows how it works. He knows what he needs to do. So I just let it be at that. He just knows stuff about how this works that we don't. Yes. As far as the later stuff, because you knew he took the time, whatever time there's an indeterminate amount of time Mm -hmm. uh, to listen, listen and just take all of it in the stuff he did later on. That's fine. Cause I knew as the character that felt right because he would do that. He would just take the time. It, it could take him a year and he'd just sit and he would, do that because that's part of his plan to make this happen. There's no reason to be speedy about it. You don't have to be in a super hurry to make it happen. He is a patient villain. Mm -hmm. Another thing that makes a good villain being patient, not rushing things. Yeah. And one of the things that I like was he did not do what a villain usually does. I'm going to place him in an easily escapable situation involving an overly elaborate and exotic death. Right. Are you sure? Um, no, I am because the main confrontation between them. We're jumping around a lot. We're, yeah. we're not trying to follow a plot. Everybody knows the plot, like you pointed out. Everybody knows the plot of a Superman movie. 
Lex, Lex Luthor does, does something, something bad. Yeah. Superman comes and stops him. Exactly. Yep. So there's no reason to go over that. But Superman arrives on that island. I kind of had a problem with the fact that he didn't notice that there was kryptonite there, but they hadn't established at any point in that that kryptonite actively hurt him just for being around it. The only reaction we saw from it was that it weakened him. And he wouldn't have necessarily just noticed it standing there. And I really like the scene where they're facing off against each other because that's, again, that's Lex Luthor's character. Like, he will face off against Superman and not flinch, not blink or anything. But he looks. He sees that he's got, like, a little bit of sweat or something. Knows that he's been weakened. Knows that Superman wouldn't sweat, but a weakened Superman would. And then he just hits him in the chest real hard. Like, he must have been hitting the weights in jail, (laughs) right? Those guys, like... He's got to be as buff as them underneath that suit to be able to hit him like that. Because he hits him. I mean, he rolls down that stuff. He breaks through all those little, you know, crystal structures and stuff like that. Stalagmites. Yeah, Uh he's laying down there on the ground like, Oh, my titties! I mean, and then those guys just start wailing on him. And he's... He doesn't strike me as being extremely weak. Just the way... I would react or you would react to getting the shit kicked out of you by several guys. <laughs> like Especially when you're not used to that happening. You don't know what that feels like. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, in the in the initial interview from the 1978 movie, I think she even asks him, Lois Lane asks him, and you're impervious to pain? And he's like, eh, so far. <laughs> and then he gets shanked in this one. He He does get shanked. He gets shanked. You see the prison tonight blade. Yeah, you see the prison stuff come out. Like Lex Luthor did not forge that into a blade. He was like, "This looks, this looks like a shank." Uh-huh. I've been in prison for five years. I know what's up. I know what a shank looks like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only part that you could say is like the overly elaborate thing is the whole plan itself, but not the part to get rid of Superman. Superman only survives because he assumes he's going to just die and throws him into the ocean. So why? That's what. It, again, it's one of those things. Why assume and kick him into the ocean? How about, no, I'm going to keep you. I'm going to keep you in a box. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to keep kryptonite around that box until I know that you're a smoldering hunk of burnt up dead Superman. Okay, as far as I know we're jumping around, one of the things I wanted to talk about was the first action scene in this movie. Lois Lane is on an airplane that's going to launch a space shuttle. I, I don't know what the whole reason for this is, except to have Superman do Superman stuff. Mm-hmm. And actually, visually, I think most of the stuff in this movie holds up pretty well. Yeah, special effect-wise, I didn't mind any of it. I, I liked... The only there's thing some that, things that go on that I liked a lot, actually, yeah, that the look, only, still look good. The only thing that really looked bad to me was a scene where there's a crane operator falling, and Superman catches him, and like, like swoops in, catches him, and really smoothly swoops down and drops him on the ground. So the guy like lands on his feet, kind of running... Like, however they did that, green screened it or whatever, like, it didn't match up exactly right. It looked really strange. Okay. But it was the only one, you know, moment that looked really out of place. See, I, I watched it on my phone at work because I have plenty of time. It, it actually took me about six hours to watch this two and a half hour movie while I was at work. <laughs> but uh, in that scene with the plane, there were some things that happened that it just, they just bugged me. So... At one point, uh, as you've seen in other movies, I think uh, the first time I ever heard of it was in the movie Apollo 13 when they went on the Vomit Comet to simulate weightlessness for the astronauts. They call it that for a reason. 
And that happened with this plane because of what was going on, that it got up so high and then immediately started falling. And so people, like, you know, a phone is floating. And a yeah, pencil. it reached the top of the its arc. And then, yeah, I, I know the scene you're talking about. Like, she's there's like a pen coming towards her or something. Right. She, like, um, reaches out. Nobody, nobody puked. I know what you're talking about, but you don't immediately get sick from it. But you would think at least after all that, because it's not just that initial thing. It's being thrust real hard towards space, that moment of weightlessness, and then coming down and just fucking spinning. It was so weird. I had to go back and rewatch it. But there's a part where they're falling where Lois is stuck to the ceiling and she's looking down at this guy who's buckled in and he's looking back up at her and they cut to that four times. Like, she slides up. She's looking down at this guy. The guy's looking up at her. They cut away to something Superman's doing or something else that's happening somewhere else. And then they cut back. Her looking down at him. Like, all this stuff still. He's looking back up at her. Just And they do that four times. Awkward. <laughs> in any other movie, that would have been their love story. They would have, like, fallen in love. They're like, you know, I knew from the way you were vomiting in the plane that you were the one. <laughs> we had a connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would have. One of the things I thought, like, I like what you got. <laughs> one of the things that I thought when the end of that scene, uh, the plane comes crashing down and it's coming right in. And of course it is. It's coming right into a stadium mm-hmm. full of people where a ball game is being played. You know, he stops the plane. He sets it down on the field. I mean, kind of a great spot to do that. But my, my thought is like, oh, my God, the owner's in the box and he's running down as fast as he can to get the Superman to be like, please don't leave this plane here. Oh my God, please pick it up and put it out in a parking lot somewhere that makes sense for it to be dismantled and taken care of. Don't leave it in my stadium. I thought that twice, yeah. How are they getting that plane out of there? And why doesn't Superman just be like, if you can just hook up some, like give me some something, you know, steel cables or something to hook this up to where I know it's going to stay together. You know, and then there's the scene later on where everything's going down and the giant daily planet planet falls off and he's just like looks around he's like fuck this car in particular and drops it and just leaves it there like i get you have to put it somewhere why did it have to be there (laughs) like why couldn't you know i don't know it's whatever like they even ask uh the chief asked Uh in one of their meetings like what are they gonna do with that plane yeah how's that plane gonna get out of there and superman's right there in the room he's like Oh, well, it's uh, like, hmm. this sounds like somebody else's problem. <laughs> <laughs> so that actually leads me into kind of my main point with this movie. I mean, we're we're pretty far into this podcast now. So Superman's the villain of this movie. Interesting. You have a look on your face like you hadn't considered that. I had not. I considered How a lot of stuff How did you not consider this? this? Okay. Um, what okay, did Lex Luthor do that's wrong? He's Superman. Uh... He in the very big opening scene, yeah. he swindles an old lady uh, out of all of her riches with his dick. He does his research. We know he's smart. He's stuck in jail. He's looking for somebody with resources. He finds this old lady who needs a bit of loving because her man is that. not around. That's right. <laughs> Probably her man didn't even didn't even give it to her that well. He didn't care. It was an older time. He didn't he didn't know what any of that stuff was. Yeah, so he's he sends her a letter like, Look at my sexy body. And she helps him get out. <laughs> yeah, she helps him get out of jail. Right? Uh-huh, I believe so. And then there, yeah, because she says it like, I knew, you know, you said if 
if I helped you get out of prison, that you'd take care of me. And you have. You've shown me pleasures I'd never known. Right? Mm -hmm. There's a transactional nature to that there. She knows what's up. Yeah. Right? I mean... That Granny Vanderworth knows what's good. It she may got not him be, out of jail. It may not be moral, right? But it wasn't necessarily illegal, right? He's just the most expensive gigolo ever. He just has her sign the thing. You know he's a bad guy, though. Like they try to point out, like, hey, this isn't all right. Even though she says, like, you deserve this because you've taken such good care of me. She dies halfway through signing, and he just takes her hand and kind of and finishes, finishes it. Yeah, puts his pen down. Then he walks out to the waiting family who are all like, no, let us in. Like whole hallway full you. of people, like all of their, her family. It was ridiculous. Yeah, and he walks out like, I'm rich and I'm dead sexy. And he takes off his wig, gives it to the kid. He goes, the rest is mine. And he walks out because he doesn't give a shit about the house or anything else. He has, he wants mainly the yacht. Uh-huh. That's what he's in most of the rest of the time. That's I really. How, that's part of his plan to get to. A little, a little part of that. So this lady has two dogs. And they leave to go to the Fortress of Solitude. They do their thing. But when they come back, there's, there's only, only one, dog. one dog left. And one dog's like eating, chewing on some bones. And uh, Kitty's like, where's the other dog? No, she goes, weren't there two of those? Yeah, it was so good. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, that's that's good bad guy stuff right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Keep, um, keep going. Hit me. Cutting her brake lines for needing her to keep Superman occupied while he's stealing the kryptonite. So, A, he's stealing something from a museum. And, B, she could have just died. Like, he assumed that she wouldn't because it's Superman. Yeah. But to he assume has a long history with Superman, Superman and a lot of evidence to support the idea that Superman is going to be there to step in. She's not in any danger. And to make it convincing, he's right. He needs to actually do it because Superman's going to be like, there's nothing wrong with your car. But you do Like, I can see through the there, whole thing. There's so many, so many things where... Based on lore and stuff we know about Superman through all the comics, the shows, the everything that's come out with him, so many things that happen in this movie that don't hold water for Superman. Explain. Um, Superman would know it was his kid immediately. I think without question, without any recompense, he would immediately know that that kid was his because he's Superman and he can tell. Hmm. Um, he would know that Lois Lane was lying. Oh, he would maybe like hear something. Di- oh, yeah, right. He would like hear her heart or do like something. he he not only can he hear every person on the planet, all the heartbeats on the planet. I, I saw that as a little a little uh, uh, trivia bit about comics. Superman can hear every heartbeat on the planet and he knows which one is Bruce Wayne's. So he knows when a human being is lying, period. I'm always assuming that's based on the ending of The Dark Knight Returns. Probably. Anyway, go on. The the thing you talked about, him landing on the landmass that's full of kryptonite that he didn't know about, that he couldn't see from a distance, or that like he couldn't sense. tell when he got there and landed and be like, Whoa, I feel really strange. Well that's kind this of this isn't right. That's kind of always been one of Superman's things. Like one of the things that kind of makes him relatable is that He's dumb? Is that he can be distracted like a person. You know, he doesn't notice stuff if he's not paying attention to it. Yeah, he can hear everything, but he doesn't always pick up on it unless he's listening for it or, or if it catches his attention. And he, you know, the x-ray vision doesn't go all the time. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I guess it kind of does. It's just whether or not he's paying attention to it. It's like I seeing things in your peripheral. The Man of Steel movie, the first one, uh, did a good job of explaining that as a, as a kid, what he had to go through, how weird that was, him... 
you know, these things happening to him and having to learn how to deal with it, that that was unique and interesting. Yeah. Um, I but, get that. I thought tonally this movie was a lot more true to Superman, like traditionally. Yes. Because the flashback scene as a kid, don't know why he's wearing glasses as a kid, but it was a happy scene. Like if you were a kid and you could run super fast, you know, if you're Usain Bolt when you were like 12, right, running around, jumping on top of grain silos and stuff like that, that'd be awesome. I mean, that's, I mean, he's not sitting there dwelling on negative times either. I also, just speaking of the other movies, I like... I don't like. I love that when he flies, it's this gentle whoosh. Like he just lifts off. You know? He moves gracefully. And it looks like it would be fun. Like when he's flying to Lois's house to kind of check in on her and her family and, you know, see what's up. You know, he just flies to the city. You see that scene where he kind of, he's flying over the street and everybody's looking up at him. In Man of Steel, and that particular version of Superman, every time he takes off, it's boom, you know, makes this big boom, like cracks the ground, creates a sonic boom. It's a violent thing. And he always looks angry. Henry Cavill always looks angry as Superman. That's why he plays a good Geralt. He's a great Geralt. He's a great actor. I like mm -hmm. him in a lot of the stuff he's in. I don't like that way that Superman is written for those movies because it's not really who he is. Or has been presented as for such a, since 1938. I do agree with that. I think the idea of him, Brendan Routh lifting, looks, lifting off yeah. versus blasting off. Yes. I think that makes more sense. Superman isn't going to go out of his way. I'm sorry. Or rephrase that. He is going to go out of his way to not only not draw attention to himself like that, but to not cause damage that's unnecessary. Right. Right. Yeah. He's not going to slam down in the middle of a, like paved area or something like that. The only time we see him slam down or do anything while he's flying that seems aggressive is when he's like on a mission. When he hears the bank alarm or whatever going off and he takes off, there's a sonic boom, but it's not a huge thing. It's like, a you know, it's a faint that, thing that you hear in the distance. That was the thing that I thought bugged me. That he's like, in space and he can hear stuff. No, no, no. That it's Superman. That's fine. I get that. He doesn't Superman need powers. Powers. the fact that, out of our entire planet, all the conflicts that go on, all the bad things that are happening, and Superman, the first thing he decides to do when he's back as Superman is go stop a bank robbery? It's not the... Well, oh, so you mean once he's back Supermanning full-time? Uh-huh. Yeah. And he's flying around, he's looking, he's on patrol. The first thing he does is stop these bank robbers who, for some reason, have this Uber minigun. minigun. Yeah. I mean, it was just for a special effect thing, just so they could do that with Superman. Yeah, which I wrote, was kind of cool. I wrote in but, my notes that Superman getting shot in the eye with what looked like a 1911. Yeah. Dragon Ball Z level bullshit. I mean, it's like there should have been smoke that cleared and then Superman would be like, this isn't even my final form. <laughs> it was such <laughs> BS. <laughs> I mean, I get that he's invulnerable. They didn't need to do that. Like, it's just... It was a little too much. It is. It's, we got it, it that, from him getting hit with the minigun over and over right. and just walking that through it. That whole scene is just to have it. Yeah. Like, we already know that it's it's like him as a kid jumping around. and We already know that, director. Thank you very much. Oh, he's invulnerable to bullets? Guess what? We know that, too. Like, we don't need all of this extra, these guards who bust in and try and shoot this guy who, again, we've talked about people in bulletproof vests. They lit his back up mm -hmm. like they were decent shots. They lit him up. 
He's not just going to oh, turn around. I'm going to shoot you. No, man. You're done. Mm-hmm. You're not. I mean, you may not be dead, but you're incapacitated yeah. after like you're gonna have to 12 shots in your back. <laughs> yeah. Take a take a breather, man. You probably have your breath knocked out of you, something. But again, they, they throw these scenes into these movies because they just want to show off some special effect thing that they can do. and Or just show some iconic Superman imagery. Right. I, I do think it did a good job of showing, again, who Superman is. That guy shoots him in the eye. They both kind of look down and watch the bullet fall. And then they look back up. Henry Cavill would have scowled. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know, ripped the guy's face off or something. But Brandon Routh just kind of, like, smirks at him. Like, this kind of smile. Like, really, do you think that was going to work? <laughs> okay, we're talking about things that Lex Luthor did as a bad guy. Yeah. And, oh, I mean... He was going to kill billions of people. Like that was part of his plan. And he wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, I have to kill billions of people to make this happen. He was like, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's the plan. Yep. Uh huh. So that, that is a fairly, that's a bad guy thing to do. So alcoholism is a big problem all over the world. Kills a lot of people. Does. Diseases caused by tobacco. Bats. Petroleum products. (laughs) The consumption of. Uh, incorrectly prepared bat meat. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of things out there that have killed a lot of people. Uh-huh. I mean, even Nestle, there's this interview with, if not their CEO, at least one of their executives, where he is saying, I think it was a shareholder meeting, that he does not believe water is a human right. He says it's an extremist view to think that water is something people have a right to. Right. Okay, I mean... This is a company that buys a tanker of water for $10 and sells it in bottles for 50000 Now tell me, is Lex Luthor really more evil than a company that doesn't think you should be able to have water unless you buy it from them one, like, pint at a time? I mean, I... I will grant you that. I mean, the answer might be yes. Because <laughs> killing people isn't part of their business model. <laughs> I mean, they do Killing need people, people to buy their water and their chocolate bars and everything That's true, else. true. So they don't want to kill anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree that killing everybody... Because I actually had this thought, like, if he just went further out, we know that yacht can go all the way to the Arctic. Sure. So why doesn't he just go further out where he's just competing against other places to have people? Instead of destroying places to have people. But then when you look at the map, this is one that I rewound for. By the way, who made those maps? Who knew his secret plan? Yeah, that were on these screens. He just dropped one yeah, after another. Yeah, just in case he wanted to present this plan to somebody that way. It was very convenient. Anyway, yeah, on the map, it looks like the water is rising and that's it. Because part of Europe is covered too. Like the British Isles are completely gone. So I'm assuming that's what's going to kill most of the people. I mean, he says, like, well, two things can't occupy the same space at the same time. And his little continent that he's building. Like, yeah, thanks, physics professor. We appreciate that. Yeah. Is going to take over America. But I think it's mostly like the water level. So I'll grant you that. That's evil. But the rest of it, I mean, he's just, you know, kind of working on his real estate empire. Really, it's low level thuggetry. He doesn't do anything that's he doesn't execute anybody. He doesn't No, But when you get to Superman. I mean, he has a responsibility. He makes people get used to him. He tells them. He tells Lois the first time they have a conversation after that plane thing. 
you know, she's like, am I going to see you again? He's like, I'm always around. It's like, bullshit. Got five years that says otherwise. Right? I mean, he's not wrong. He's going all over the world. He's all over the news. They're saying, you know, Superman's back. No crime is too big or too small for Superman to take care of. He's showing up to, like, house fires where there's already the fire department there and just blowing out the fire with his mouth. Just shows up, does that, waves at the camera, and takes off again. You know why they had that scene? Hmm. Because Brandon Routh got a pretty mouth. Hold on. Let me let me tell you how I feel about that. <laughs> All right. Um, he's a pretty man, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he's a pretty man. All right. Uh, <laughs> we're we're secure enough our masculine. We could say that. Yeah, it's cool. Um. All right. So Superman gets everybody used to him being there. Makes people rely on him. Then he leaves for five years, leaves everybody defenseless. Lois Lane wins a Pulitzer for writing an article, Why We Don't Need Superman. Then he comes back, starts telling people, like, hey, I'm always around. Like, what's up? You know? Kind of like... It's like the Debbie dad who mails you five bucks for your birthday. Yeah, he shows up with this attitude, not overtly, but a little bit like, yeah, of course I'm here. You know? He's not quite down to the level of, like, where's my money? But he's got... You know, he expects people to kind of welcome him back a little bit, it it sort of seems like. So the next part is he hooked up with Lois without even revealing his true identity, right? Yep. I mean, it had to have happened at least once because Jason's his kid. Did that, hooked up with her. I I mean, it's rough waiting a couple days for somebody to call you back after something like that. He left the galaxy after that. Right? He didn't just... He didn't quit it. That's one of the points she makes. Like, you didn't even say goodbye. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's hard to say goodbye. Oh, really? Watch. Goodbye. See? That's easy. (laughs) It's not hard. Two words. Goodbye. Put them together. Yep. The final part of it is where he learns that Jason's his son because when he's in his coma, Lois tells him. And we don't know that that's what she's telling him, but we suspect because she even looks back at Jason and he looks at her and kind of... Oh, I'm not looking. <laughs> you know, there's other stuff. You know, he's in the, the, what do you call it, the seaplane? Yeah. And she pulls that piece of kryptonite out of him. And he's like, how did you even find me? And she looks up. And that little kid brings that big-ass bowling ball size head around with that smug little look what I did look on his face. <laughs> it's like, you know that's got to be his kid. Like, that's why he's special. Look what I can do. <laughs> look what I can do. <laughs> yeah. So... He finds that out. He goes to see the kid without asking Lois anything. He doesn't tell Lois that he's okay. He just like, I mean, there's even a scene earlier in the movie that I alluded to where he's flying to her house to check on her. He's just standing out there like in a tree, creeping and peeping, just x-raying through their walls, looking at what they're doing. So he doesn't tell Lois anything. He just shows up to the house, sneaks into the window, gives the kid the creepy pre-recorded speech that Jor-El did. Not any like heartwarming human stuff from, you know, the Kents. It's the, you will see my life through your eyes, and I will see your life through my eye, or something like that. Whatever he does. Yeah, the father will become the son. The son will become the father, and the father will become the son. Yeah. Do you understand that? No. I I thought about that, and I'm like, well, part of that made sense. The son will become the father. Me, having been the son, Superman, I was the son of Jor-El. I'm Kal-El, son of him. But the other way around, the, the, the father becoming the son? Like, I didn't, I didn't get that part. Yeah. I just don't quite understand why he chose to say that except to call back to the Marlon Brando 
Jor-El. That whole, the whole Jor-El thing, that was, that was what they used in the 1978 version. Yeah, they it was just the same it audio and everything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they just reused that footage, which is fine, because it's supposed to be a continuation, I assume, of those stories. So it makes sense. That's the recording that plays. It's the one that played originally. It's the one that plays now. You make some fair points yeah. as far as Superman. He, well, he's, okay. he's raised by the Kents. He's raised yeah. by good, not just humans, good people. Mm-hmm. who supposedly would have raised him to be a good person. And he makes some wildly... Um, questionable. Questionable, yes, choices as far as that stuff is concerned. I mean, the, the up in the tree, watching Lois thing, that's like a McFly move right there. So the worst part of that is right after that scene, because what happens? After he does that speech and leaves. Lois notices she runs out the front door and then... The son, Jason's awake. and He's like, bye. And Superman's just floating in the air there. Hey, hi, I'm here. And uh, she she asks him if he's going to be around or something like that. And he's like, I'm, I'm always around, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then he takes off. He learns he has a son. He goes to see the son. He gives the son the weird, creepy speech while the son's asleep. And then he continues supermaning and allowing James Marsden, Richard White whatever his character's name is, to raise the kid. Richard is the victim of the movie. Superman is the villain. Because Superman is doing more that's personally wrong to people. And I think Richard is the main one receiving all of this negativity. He's in a relationship, a five-year committed relationship. They live together. They trust each other. They know each other. He thinks the kid is his. Yeah. He just takes off after the first time they get together. And then he comes back and expects everything to be the same five years later without saying goodbye or anything like that. Like, that's a very selfish assumption. In the meantime, like I'm saying, they've developed this relationship. Superman shows back up. The chief said, and Clark could have heard this. Would have heard it. (laughs) Right, would have heard it, that every newspaper has a good-looking female reporter on the roof waiting to do a story on Superman. So he could have been like, you know what? I'm going to let her have her life. I made my choice that led me to be away for five years while she started a new life with this new guy who has shown no signs at all of being anything other than a good man. Uh huh. I mean, he risked his life in that seaplane to get out there and try to rescue them. He does everything he can as a human. I mean, he does more than any other human in this movie to be a hero and to do the right thing. And Superman's like, nah, I'm going to go kind of have this weird, awkward conversation where we're kind of almost going to kiss. And she's going to be like, Rich is a good man. He's going to look hurt. He's going to have this look like, what, what did you say? You know, he's got you, this look where he looks choosing so a human over this. Yeah. Yeah. He even says, you know, she's like, you know, Richard's a pilot. He takes me up all the time. Superman's like, not like this. <laughs> I thought something this time when I watched it when and it it was the same way uh, when it was Margot Kidder and Christopher Reeve Mm -hmm. flying around. I understand he's like got her hand. He's like got her around the waist. But it's just the human part of my brain thinks unless you have extraordinarily a, a really good core and some legs, there's no way your legs are sticking straight out. They weren't the way. You sure? I rewatched it. Okay, I'll take your word for it. They are side by side. She has her ankles crossed and over his right foot. 
Okay. Otherwise, I'm like, dude, she'd be dangling. Because I wondered the same thing. Okay. Like, Are they just going so fast that it's blowing her legs? And I rewound <laughs> it. It's like, no, she's got them propped up on his legs. Okay, thank you. That makes so much more sense. <laughs> At least they did. I Why is that the thing they take the time to actually make accurate and make sense <laughs> and all the other crap in this yeah. that isn't? Yeah, he's got her hands, he's got her waist, and he's got her feet. Yeah, okay. So one of the things I thought would have been a very... Like, this would be a movie that I would want to watch. Taking the concept of this movie, the fact that Superman has a son. Not only has a son, but has a son that he didn't know about and that she doesn't tell him about. I mean, kind of his own fault for, you know... Leaving. Fucking off for five years. But what if... And there's there's been stories of this. Superman being bad Superman. What if coming back... Finding out that I have a kid, he ends up homelandering it and being like, oh, you didn't tell me for some reason. That's what makes him snap. And now actual bad. You know what? I think I'm going to take my son and he and I are going to rule this planet. Some of the confrontations felt different in a world where the boys is a show. Right. Where you Mm -hmm. see the stuff Homelander does when confronted with a human who's trying to stand up to him. You know, there are moments where people are kind of standing up to Superman and it's like, oh, my God, this person's going to get so fucked up. And then it doesn't happen because that's not Superman. Right. But it is Homelander and they present it in a very similar way. It's Homelander is a what if version of Superman. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So do you have anything else to bring up? I liked Lois Lane. I liked her character in this. Um She's, you know, she's a damn good reporter. That's what she does. She's trying to cover this blackout story that Lex Luthor that caused this blackout. And obviously Perry just wants it. Superman, all Superman. Superman sells newspapers. I'm sorry, it's 2006. Nothing sells newspapers. So, sorry about that, pal. Well, they didn't have cell phones. Well, they had cell phones, but they, the iPhone wasn't was quite being the released the next year after this movie. Yeah, so wasn't, there wasn't... Not quite the same, but, like, really, come on. We're getting to the point where that's... I, I know they still throw them on my driveway, but, like, I haven't opened one in I don't know how long. I haven't opened one of those old newspaper, put in 50 cents, let me get my newspaper. Oh, haven't man. done that. You know, right, was the last time you did that? Uh, exactly. 2005, maybe? <laughs> so before so, this movie? <laughs> right. So long ago. So nothing sells newspapers anymore. I'm sorry that you're in a dying business, but that's what it is. Uh, but she's trying to cover this thing that uh, he makes. He says, Kent, you do this. Had Superman just done that? Had he just covered the blackout and done the work that Lois Lane eventually does? Guess who would have stopped Lex Luthor before any of this stuff happened? Oh, my God. Clark Kent. You're absolutely right. Yep. If he had he just, just done, done his, job. his job. But no, I can't do my job. I have to go be Superman. I have to blow out fires and stop bank robberies. You know what? How about stopping some of the real conflicts around the world that you're not doing? Which Man of Steel and other Batman versus Superman. Showing him getting involved in conflicts that are a little more important than a bank robbery and a house fire. Yeah. I mean, lives are at stake. I get it. No matter where you go with any of this stuff. Um, but he's just, he's doing the things in this movie. Like, like really? And one of the things, and this is a small, uh, uh, thought. I've seen a lot of movies that deal with this whole EMP thing. And EMP goes off. Do EMPs make TV monitors explode? 
Because of the Daily Planet they did. I don't believe so. Okay. I've not seen that happen. I've seen no evidence of it. And I've seen the documentary Escape from New York. Or was it Escape from L.A. that had the EMP? Escape from L.A. Escape from L.A. Yeah, it was the second one. Which, that, the ending of that, and he goes, no, I'm going to do this. Snake Plissken. Boom. He hits the button and sends the world back into the Stone Age. One of my favorite endings to a movie ever. It's so good. It's so good (laughs) that he's like, you know what? Screw you guys. Because that's just his character. It was great. Um. Okay, one of the other things we talked about the the battle uh, at the end with Superman and Lex Luthor and being weak. Well, when they have to come back in this seaplane, they just he just saved Lois and his son, uh, Richard. Comes back. That's all. He's a pilot. That's what he can do. This is what I can do to help. Lois jumps into the water to save Superman. Which my first thought is obviously he should be doing that because to pull Superman up. I mean, maybe she was an Olympic swimmer, and I don't know it. Maybe that's part of her background. I don't know. That was something I thought, too. To be able to swim as effectively as she was while wearing that big, flowy dress, really, really difficult. Not only that, this is is not the Pacific. They're in the Atlantic. You may as well be swimming in the Arctic. It's freezing cold. Like, they're in the plane afterwards, and she's wet, and there's zero sign, and the kid's wet. There's zero sign of them... uh, contracting hypothermia, which is what would happen. (laughs) So the small, like when I watch movies and I see things that don't make sense because physics, because that's the way biomechanics work, I'm like, are you Well, we don't know. I mean, the growth of the crystals. No, I do know that the the Atlantic growth of the crystals might have caught. I mean, they're not even in the ocean at that point. They're like in a part of it that's kind of captured and cupped by this structure that's coming up. I mean, okay, I can... You know what? I'll I'll grant you that. There's a I whole guess lot that I have learned could to be. forgive with this because we don't know how the Kryptonian technology works. But when she says we have to go back, and she tells her we have to go back to, my first thought is if I'm him and I'm the dad and I'm flying the plane, I'm like, like bullshit. You just woke up. What are you talking about? I'd look back <laughs> and be like, Do you know our kids back there, right? Like you you want us to risk the life of our son to go back. And the only way she'd be able to say, well, yeah, but don't worry about him. He's a superhero. He's fine. That's the only way that that would be okay. Otherwise, she knows at that point, but he doesn't. Right. Richard would be like, no, I'm not risking your life. And it's Superman. He'll be fine. I'm not going to. But the movie needed it to happen. So it happened. Are those your what? What's your what are your final thoughts? This movie is exactly what it is in the fact that. It was a Superman movie that tried to reboot a franchise. It tried to win you over with a lot of nostalgia. The characters tried to be strikingly similar to the original actors, Christopher Reeve, Margot Kidder, and Gene Hackman. And I like the way they played them. I'm not saying they did a bad job. They really nailed what they were trying to do with that. But ultimately, it's a forgettable superhero movie that came out before the Marvel age really took over. So there are some things that are really, that are okay. As I said, I really like Kevin Spacey in this movie. He plays a great bad guy. He plays a very good Lex Luthor. He's one of my, at least especially compared to what's his name who played it in the new movies. 
the kid. Oh, Jesse Eisenberg. Yes. Which that whole goofy, twitchy. Yeah. Eh, not it was. It just wasn't my thing. It wasn't like the worst thing I've ever seen. But it, that was such a good job. I was able to forgive a lot of the rest of it when I originally saw it. But going back watching it now, it is just an easily forgettable. Nothing that to write home about Superman movie. Hmm. All right. I actually have a very different opinion from you. Nice. I really liked it. I I remember seeing it in theaters in 2006, and I remember talking to one of my friends who also, we did not see it together, but we talked about it later. We we're both like, oh, it's bullshit. He gets stabbed with kryptonite, and he's fine. Like, he just, they just pull it out, and he's fine. And then he lifts an island made out of kryptonite. He gets shot in the eye. All, all of this stuff happens that is just so ridiculous, but stuff happens in the comics. Like, the comics and the... Well, really, the comics. I was going to say the cartoons, but really, it's the comics that are way worse about it. Superman used to have all kinds of powers. I mean, Superman, in the radio shows and in the comics, back, like, way back, he would be able to speak different languages. He would just hear them and be able to do it or, like, understand languages he had never heard before. He could shapeshift. He what? would just have any power he needed to have. He would just have it. Yeah. There's an issue where he gets kidnapped, if I'm remembering this right, by like some kind of alien species or he's captured by them, what, you know, whatever your term for involuntarily being in their custody is. Anal probed? Uh, I don't remember if that happened. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, that's too bad. Um, but yeah, he like shapeshifts to look like one of them. He like phases through the bars and like shapeshifts to look like one of them or whatever. It. I'm pretty sure that's Vision. Yeah, pretty Superman sure developing all these powers is not that unusual. Doing these extreme things is not that unusual. And what I really like about it is how different it is in tone from most of the superhero movies. I mean, Zack Snyder, he's the one that did Justice League, right? Mm-hmm. I think he was the one who was kind of pushing for the darker Superman, saying, you know, if you don't think Superman would be dark like this, then you probably don't really understand the reality of what that would be like. You know, the, I guess the things he would see. But from my perspective, if you're completely invulnerable and you're raised by these people to just do good, you know, take responsibility for stuff, like, you know, try to do your part to make the world a better place. And when your part of doing that is so huge... I can get how that would weigh on you, but it would probably also feel really good to have the respect and admiration of so many people. Because it's not Spider-Man. Nobody's out there making him the villain, right? There's yeah. no J. Jonah Jameson telling everybody that Superman's terrible. Yeah, they're saying that all they're doing is singing his praises. Yeah. So why would he be angry? Why would he be the Henry Cavill version? Why would he be upset and feel like he's apart from humanity and apart from the world. I mean, they even start that where he's saying like, Oh, I'm the last one. And his mom, Martha, who he even called mom before that, you know, she's like, well, you may be the last one, but you're definitely not alone. The other thing that I kept thinking about with this movie was apart from the boys, which came up a lot <laughs> in my mind was captain Marvel. Like the, you know, not Shazam. No, no. Yeah. The, the new, the, Marvel, uh -huh. Captain Marvel. Carol Danvers. And how different she is, because they're basically the same. They basically have, you know, the same powers. They are they can fly. They're invulnerable. They can shoot energy projectiles. You know, there's a lot of similarity between what they can do. But 
Superman is interesting and relatable because of Clark Kent, because Clark Kent has human wants and needs. You know, he comes back. I've been joking about him being the villain, which I'm not entirely not serious about. Because <laughs> you made a good argument. Because we don't know what's going to happen after this movie. I think they were trying to set it up for a sequel, but that didn't happen yet. I mean, Brandon Routh is huh. clearly a vampire. If you've seen him lately, he has not aged at all. Really? So they could just do another one. Okay. It'd be totally fine. <laughs> um, so Clark Kent comes back, and he's devastated that Lois has moved on, that she has a kid, that she's with somebody else. He regrets the things that he's lost. He's sad that there are none of his kind left, that everybody else is dead. You know, there are a lot of things that weigh heavily on him. He gets angry. He goes after Lex for going after Lois. And they beat the shit out of them. It's interesting and relatable because we all have struggles. We all have things that we want. We all have disappointments. You know, Superman and Clark Kent still have things that they strive for. They don't just have everything because they're strong. You know, the thing that makes Captain Marvel not compelling to me is that she's never confused. She's never doubting anything. She never has any of these human moments where she has to struggle. She is captured by the scrolls. Yeah. And is able to escape. She's able to beat everybody up. She's able to get to earth. She's a little bit out of her element, but she's never confused to the point where it's a problem. She's just like, Oh, this is a weird place. And just carries on. Even when she learns that she's been used, when she learns who she really is, she just accepts that and moves on there's no confusion there's no doubt there's no like oh my god you mean everything i've been doing like what about all the people i've killed when i've gone on these missions with the kree you know there's none of that right because she's a soldier yeah for sure she's been working with them she's clearly gone on missions with them before you know there's a whole lot in that that it just never really feels right in captain marvel because none of it's that relatable she just goes from being strong and awesome and on the wrong side to stronger and more, more awesome. awesome. She goes super saiyan and on the right <laughs> side. And there's no real it's over 9000. There's no I'm, oh, I should have that on my uh <laughs> Hold on, let me see. About it. No, wait. That's all I got for Captain Marvel ah. on my soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Superman's a relatable character and he's you can distract him. His grasp on power is kind of tenuous sometimes because, like you're saying, being away from the sun for too long or being near kryptonite for too long, distracting him and, you know, finding some way to entrap him with red sunlight, whatever. There are all these ways to bring Superman down to a human level. So even though most of it comes down to being, you know, this thing of watching Superman save the day quickly, like, can he get to this before this happens? You know, stuff like that where you're watching him use his powers, which is fun. You know, there's a lot of it where you watch the villain circumvent his powers, you know, to just, you know, well, he's, he can lift an island. Well, let's just find a way to get rid of his strength. And he's just a more interesting character in that way. I've always preferred human characters or even characters that have one thing that they do to Superman because he kind of can do everything. But he's still a lot more relatable than some of the characters that we're seeing now. And I think that through the lens of movies like the original, well, the original Thor or Thor Dark World, this first Captain Marvel, I think 
this movie looks better by comparison. And I think people are more ready now to accept a superhero movie than they would have been back then. Cause back then, what did we have? We had the, the first couple Batman ones, the Tim Burton ones, and then the, the really crazy ones. Yes. Um, and then what Spider-Man? That was it. Yeah. The original Spider-Man. And no, though, I mean, you have, I don't know when it came out, but you had blade back then, which was a fun vent. It, wasn't superhero movie in the way we think of superhero movies. Right. He was definitely a comic book character, superhero, but that is not really the way the movie was portrayed, which is fine. I enjoy those. Like Constantine. Constantine mm-hmm. is is a comic book movie, or the spirit mm-hmm. comic book movie, not your traditional superhero movie, though. Yeah. So I actually liked it a lot more, and I think part of it is that the nostalgia got me. Like hearing that original score, seeing the weird, you know, that lettering, it got me. But I do think it's a much better movie than I originally gave it credit for. And I think if something like that were to come out today, being so different from the Superman and and generally most of the superheroes we've had in the last decade, I think it would do a lot better than it did in its own time. I mean, maybe. I just, the thing that made me like it back in the day, it's still the thing that I like now. And it's what makes the thing that makes a good superhero movie or any movie that has protagonist antagonist is the good a good bad guy and that's and they've said this complaint for marvel movies as well Mm -hmm. as dc movies not having that's why loki tom hiddleston was such a good character for marvel he was a good bad guy so many of the marvel movies the bad guy is just generic and forgettable it's what if the good guy was bad they have they have the same powers, which I I get. I get from the perspective of if you're trying to establish a new world and you need a thing that creates a hero, have that same thing create the villain. That gives you characters that are very much alike, but it's an efficient way to set it up. Yeah. I I get that. I just I want I don't mind if a movie is long, like this movie being two and a half hours. I think that for sure. Things you could have cut out. Him going to Krypton entirely, cut it out. The little bit of scene, and just my opinion, which, as we already said, nostalgia, him as a kid, stuff like that, cut it out. You don't need it in this movie at all. But it's a compelling story and real reasons that these characters are doing these things. And, yeah, the things you brought up with him and, you know, being the bad guy, some of the decisions that he made. He also wh- withheld the full knowledge of all these civilizations from tw- 28 galaxies or whatever from humanity. He Which, has, he could have probably cured every disease we've ever had. He could solve our energy problems. There's so much you could do with that knowledge by he, just allowing humanity to have it. But there's a, there's a movie right there. The movie where Superman doesn't do that, where he gives humanity all this stuff. How does that change us? What happens when you don't have to fight over energy? You don't have to fight over oil. You don't have to, there's no, diseases aren't killing us. How does that change us? If diseases don't kill us, you talk about overpopulation now? What happens mm-hmm. if you didn't have to worry about disease? That might be a, a bigger issue than technology, They would start colonizing space. Probably. It would entirely, ch- it, that's... And I'm sure it's been covered in comic books for some reason why he doesn't share that level of information with humanity because humanity's not ready for it. In order, uh, oh, I don't remember what movie it was. 
But there's, I know there's been a movie that said if you get something, oh, Jurassic Park, you're standing on the backs of all these people who put in all this work ahead of time. You were working so hard to see if you could, you didn't stop to think whether or not you should. But should you just give everybody this? It's like with kids. Do you give your kid everything they want in life? What happens when you do that with kids? They turn into shitheads. <laughs> and look at who we have nowadays. No problem. <laughs> um, it's like you you can't you things have to be earned. If they're not earned, then there's no respect. And but I think that could be a very interesting like that would be, as I said, with the Superman being evil, that mm. movie. Superman giving humanity all of that, having an interesting concept of how that would work. What would happen to the human race if we're just given all of this advanced technology? What what happens because of that? And that could be interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, this was a movie where we both, we, we ended it with a couple different takes on what you thought, what I thought. But interesting, it's it's fun to go back and watch these movies. Movies that I know I only saw once, maybe twice. I might have seen it on TNT, that kind of thing growing up later on. But to watch it again, you know, see what we thought about how they did, how it was done. Is it just nostalgia? Is it more than that? Did they do a good job? Did they not? And we uh, didn't exactly see eye to eye on that. Yeah. You're... Nostalgia. It's, you're wearing these nostalgia glasses, man. I don't know. Is it? I also like a cheerful Superman. Yeah, I, I like Superman being a hopeful figure. Because who wants a gloomy god, right? They refer to him as a god all the time. Even Lex Luthor says, you know, gods are selfish beings who fly around in little red capes and refuse to share their gifts with humanity or something uh-huh. like that. Yeah, who wants that person to be like? Mr. Grumpy Gills. Maybe like, like maybe the, the Henry Cavill Superman. He's so grumpy because unlike in this movie, uh, he, he realizes he can't have a family with any human person because I'm sorry, I'm pretty sure Superman's baby inside a human person would kill them. All right. Well, that's all I've got. I, I have uh, my page of notes here, but I think we've pretty much covered everything that I wanted to hit. Yeah, I think I've covered covered most of my stuff. Uh, so I guess the only other thing is the typical complaint, which is he doesn't wear a mask. They have very high resolution pictures of him. I mean, there's even the scene where Jason's looking at the picture of Superman, looking at Clark. I mean, even Jay Garrick, the original Flash introduced in 1940, would vibrate. That was how they explained that he didn't wear a mask. Whenever he was around somebody who might recognize him or in front of a camera, he would move just a little bit so he'd be blurry and you wouldn't be able to recognize him. That makes sense. Superman still doesn't have a solution. He's just like, "Hey, it's me." And and, and I'm also a very in a very public position. The person he's closest to on the planet is one of our greatest reporters. And is face to face with him. Her job is she's done. As soon as anybody figures out who he really is, she's done. Wait, she's you, a joke. You were you're around <laughs> both of them almost every day. You never noticed that you they're did. the same person just they, glasses and the hair. A they did bit. make a tongue-in-cheek reference to it. In this movie, hey, how 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 tall tall is Clark? Clark? Yeah. And then they just look at how goofy he is. I did like how in Batman v Superman, 
how Batman talked about Superman and Clark Kent and why he acts that way. How that this is how he sees humans as weak, self-conscious, not not who he is when he's Superman. Superman is who he is. Mm-hmm. Clark Kent is his alter ego. Yeah. Um, Which I, I think I is always correct. Liked. I think yeah. that's right. I mean, and I, I couldn't stop thinking about it as I was watching this movie. As I was watching Clark Kent be Clark Kent and be fumbly and a goofball. And I couldn't stop thinking of that. All right. Good stuff. What? So it's a watch for me. I'm not saying it's not a watch. It's okay. Uh, it's, you know, I I do like Henry Cavill Superman. Maybe because I just like that actor. I, I do like him a lot. I don't dislike Henry Cavill Superman, but I this Superman is more true to what I grew up with. And it 100% is. It it so much is the Superman that has been written since the Action Comics number 1. Yeah. Batman is dark and brutal and he plays well against Superman who is way more powerful but lighthearted. The things that Batman would do wouldn't occur to Superman. And Absolutely. That's why they work so well together. But when you have Superman and Batman both being dark, I don't know. That's why they don't work that well for me. I think that's why I liked it, because it was a different take on this thing that has been the same for all these years. So changing that up. Otherwise, thank you, everyone, listening to another episode of us rant and rave about this movie. We'll do more of these. Send us a movie you want us to do. Hit us on Twitter. Hit us on our email. Yep, at MovieHowl on Twitter and MovieHowl at gmail.com. So anything you want us to watch, you know what? You send us something to watch. We'll probably watch it and talk about it. Totally. All right. Thanks for listening again, everybody. Have yourselves a great one. We're out. <laughs>